We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, joined by Simon Campbell and special guest tonight, uh, George Colkin, who needs no introduction. George, thank you very much for agreeing to head out all the way to well, what, what, what if I want an introduction? Well, oh, well. So I'd want to give George an introduction since he's, uh, he's I d- I mean, so I demand an introduction. Do you, want, do you want to introduce yourself, George? Is that <laughs> what you're saying? No, I just demand a massive build-up. I mean, you say I need no introduction, I want okay. a massive introduction. Uh, <laughs> the Northeast football correspondent for the Times... Is that all that do? Yeah, so that's George. Um, and uh, yeah, we're here to talk to George about Newcastle United. Um, so George, we'll, we'll start off by talking about um, 2018 so far. How has it been for you from a football perspective? We well, last spoke to you and the listeners, uh, you were at the press forum, which yeah. I believe was the 1st of February, and things didn't look as good as they did now. Relegation was still very much a, a threat. Uh, how, how surprised have you been by Newcastle's resurgence this year? Very surprised, and it's been brilliant. And and um, no, I thought I thought if we'd met at this point of the season, we might still have had a few had a few chewed nails and still be still be worried about the last couple of games of the season. But it's been it's been extraordinary. I mean, I you look at the league table, and I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel like it's been a tenth place season because it doesn't feel like it's been comfortable at any point um, until you know until the last sort of month couple of months. But it's been brilliant and. I suppose there, there were there were sort of there was a turning point in terms of January. The lone players, certainly two of them, have have obviously come in and 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 done really well and lifted the rest of the team. And then the other thing is, I suppose, is a, is a slightly slower, more gradual thing. You've seen the the evidence of what Rafa does on the training pitch, and you know players who at the start of the season you were concerned about had that. Brilliant patch of form. I mean, things have have obviously slightly regressed since then, but I'm also not surprised about that because you have that adrenaline of getting to the 40, 41 points mark and then things slip away. I think that's kind of human nature, and I'm not kind of terribly worried about that. But no, it's brilliant, and that 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 run of form uh, that took Newcastle to to safety was was fabulous, and it is extremely nice not to be. Shooting myself at this point of the season, you know about about uh, about relegation. Yeah, it's lovely not to be Southampton or Swansea, isn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, and I think there, I think there's there's a kind of slightly different story about what's happening in the Premier League, which I kind of find very interesting. It's, I mean, I hope all three promoted clubs stay up, um, but I think the fact that kind of Newcastle, Bryant in particular, have done so well, there is, I think, the sort of the middle section of the Premier League is the dangerous bit. Now, in the sense that teams who aren't good enough to be in the top six or top four get themselves up, they get themselves settled, and then they suddenly have this crisis about who they are and what they are. And the teams that are at the top are obviously fighting for the Champions League and 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 for the title and stuff like that. And the teams at the at the, at the bottom have one aim at the start of the season or the teams that come up have one aim at the start of the season you look at all the teams who are at the bottom of the minute Southampton, Stoke, Swansea West Ham have been there Palace have been there obviously before lifting themselves up they're all teams who've been established and been seen as kind of models that other clubs should should try to follow and they've got lost because the Premier League is money it's the money of getting up and staying up and it's the money at the very top and so Newcastle have had one aim this season and it served them well. The big question, of course, and I'm sure this is also part of what 
Rafa's going through at the minute, and and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Is is what do Newcastle do next? But it's no, it's been it's been a tough season. It's not always been easy to watch, um, but thank God, thank God for that fellow in the dugout. Yeah, it's funny actually the way you talk about the the mid table teams there um, suddenly becoming relegation fodder because there's only there's only two ways you can go. You can either push on, which is almost impossible at the moment given the money that go from sixth to seventh basically, or you just you just kind of fall back into the pack. You can't retain your best players. Yeah. You start taking gambles, and this is what Rafa told Alex and I when we went to meet him. The teams around us will make mistakes. Those teams are the ones. As long as we don't make mistakes while they do, you'll always progress compared to them. And yeah. having someone like that at the club is is exactly why that can continue to happen. Um, but absolutely, like the, the, that's a fear of, of if we lose Rafa, we become one of those mid-table teams based on this season, which is where, what kind of Newcastle were before. Effectively, yeah, nobody yeah. really knows how to invest, how to take the club forward. You just end up falling back into the pack, and it just takes a couple of slip-ups, a couple of bad signings, or a bad appointment, and you, you're back in it. And that's what's yeah. happened to three out of those clubs this season. It's quite interesting if you look at a club like Stoke, for example, who had a very clear identity under Tony Pulis, and it wasn't sort of, you know, wasn't a joyful place to go and watch football as an opposition fan. But, but there was a very clear identity, and they stood for something. And then, you know, they 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 changed. They wanted to 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 move on and become something else. And for a while, that worked. They finished what was it eight three times under nine, Hughes nine, ninth, yeah, and they did it three times. Well. What happens after that? What does Stoke do after that? How do you get from being there to the next step? And the next step is six. Well, it's actually very, very difficult. You go out, you make some bad signings, and then suddenly it all falls apart. You, you try and buy loan players or players unrequired from PSG. That was, yeah. you look at West yeah. Brom made yeah, the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Stoke the same mistakes, and they both find themselves paying £120,000 a week to players who don't well, really West, want to be there. West Brom, who, got, who were safe, in February, weren't they? Or, or yeah, February, and then just dropped off a cliff, and then they haven't been able to get that back. And at the start of the season, they get rid of Pulis and bring in Pardew because they want to be something else, and suddenly it all disappears. So anyway, this is a. I'm sure this is. The, I, I, I want this to be the positive bit that we talk about. Um, whilst the manager, you know, whilst Rafa's there, I don't think Newcastle have that problem because they have somebody who will, who will insist and ensure that the team gets better and by that I mean that the players get better and he will insist those above him let kind of let that happen or make that happen um it's been fabulous watching players like Lascelles and Dummett and you know not necessarily the players that you would expect um become really good Premier League players I mean I'd, Dummett is a great example of someone who um you know, has had to sort of do it the hard way. But, I mean, I, I know, again, I know standards have slipped in the last kind of two or three games, but has shown himself to be a really profession, uh, profi- proficient Premier League player. And we're seeing that sort of across the... We're seeing that across the pitch. So it's been very nice. You know, it was great to see those big wins against Arsenal and Man United and see the stadium come alive for those games. And, you know, you have that... You just have that sort of lovely but also horrible feeling of this is what this club could be like, should be like. Doesn't take much, but take something. Take something that the ownership hasn't kind of delivered before. But so it's been very good. It's been very good. Long may it continue. Do you think that Rafa himself has been at all surprised by just how high the team were able to rouse themselves, or not rouse themselves, but in terms of the climb up to ninth initially three games ago, do you think it's even taken him a little bit by surprise, or was he more, he kind of expected the progression like you mentioned earlier, as the season's gone on, the fruits of his labours have been easy to spot because he's had the players on the training pitch. How has he been about this little upturn in form? Well, I don't think he would ever admit to being surprised about anything because I just don't think that's the kind of of fellow he is. And, I mean, to give him credit, he did say, he said from the start that the team will be better in the second half of the season than they would in the first because he trusted his own ability to sort of make them better. But, yeah, I mean, he must have been, he must have been surprised by that, by that great run of, great run of sort of unbeaten. I mean, what, Newcastle were, what, fifth, sixth in the form table? Um... Through the whole, you know, through the whole division in 2010, until that, until that kind of bad run started. I mean, he can't have been anticipating that, but it shows how kind of confidence and momentum and all those things can 
infiltrate their way through a team just like you know negative momentum can too um and it's you know i think there's been a nice i think there's been a sort of happy combination of his great skill as a manager which is improving players and then the great strength of newcastle which is that sort of force of nature positivity and the team has ridden that and he's ridden that and again you know you know that that could be incredibly powerful if it was given its full given its full potential no worries um oh, very interesting and one question were repeatedly asked by listeners on twitter ahead of this podcast um was about his future and will he stay and i know that's very much linked to the takeover but ignoring all that for a minute um i've got a good question from richie smith asking how on earth on and norman riley uh, how on earth does it take well what this will be three weeks on saturday supposedly if you follow Rafa's timeline of press conferences which yeah, is what yeah. we have to do of negotiations for next season do you have any idea about what those negotiations entail and can you understand why as fans it just seems baffling, baffling to us that something could take so long yes. when both in theory both parties want the same thing yes so there's a lot of, there's a lot to sort of there's a lot to sort of get your head around there um i mean I suppose one of the things that you just never, never, ever try and do anymore is second guess Mike Ashley. I think that's that's redundant. The, there are two separate things, although they're connected. So the first thing is let's do the contract bit first because that's been running for a long time. I mean, for most of this season, but they really got excited about it in January. By they, I mean the club, and that to me was extremely strange in the sense, the timing of it. So at the time when they should be 100% focused on bringing players in, halfway through that month, it was suddenly, Rafa, will you sign a contract? And, it, well, 18 months left. If you want to show your commitment to me, now's the time to do it. But, you know, there's no urgency with the contract. And so he kind of got that put on the back burner. And then, of course, the other thing was Newcastle's position in the division wasn't safe. So, again... Should we not put all our focus and energy onto that? And so things were put on hold again. Um, I still don't see what the urgency is with his contract. I can understand from the club's perspective that he is arguably the biggest asset at the club at the minute. I mean, you know, you might be able to sell a player for 25, 30 million or whatever, but he is the glue that keeps the club together. He is almost a guarantee of survival. He is a guar- I mean, he, he is a guarantee of survival, I would say, and he's a guarantee of much better, and he's a guarantee of harmony and togetherness and all those sort of things. But Guardiola's contract's got a year left to run, and it hasn't been like this huge issue at Man City. I'm, I know, I'm sure he'll sign a, a new contract, but I don't quite understand why that should be more important than relegation or more important than bringing players in and I, st- I personally I still think that that that's the case so from Rafa's perspective where are we well yeah he loves it he loves the fans he loves the you know going through a list of big loads big load of cliches he loves the club he loves what the club could be but from the other side of it does he want another season that he's just had mm, I don't think so does he want another transfer window like the last three I know he doesn't and so where can the club and where can he get to um, that makes everybody happy? And I think that's the, that's the difficult bit for me. So they're still talking and that's good. He still has a, you know, I'm not going to say stuff which I think is sort of totally doom and gloom because I don't think that's the case. He's still got another year left on his contract there still is this six million pound clause that stays this summer that's still there and for all the talk that we've had about his future over the last two years he's still here and so he still has another you know he's still under contract someone very close to him said to me not too long ago how can he trust Ashley again and that's that's to me that's the big unresolved question because you can't put you, you he could be told that there's a certain amount of money to spend um and that's fine 
but the issue is, you know, it's more about the whole club's attitude and the way it's run. And so would he want 250 million quid to spend? Yeah, he'd be delighted with that. But the issue last summer wasn't over how much money there was to spend, or that though that wasn't the biggest issue, you know, the biggest issue. The biggest issue was when he wanted to bring people in, it didn't happen. So it's ancient history and it's very tedious and people roll their eyes, but when he wanted a new keeper, the club didn't let that happen. When he wanted Tammy Abraham, they took too long for that, you know, to, to do it and other people came in. So there was then that knock-on effect and January became a case of clearing up the mess of the summer and then in the end it became clearing up the mess of January because he spent a lot of time trying to do permanent deals that then didn't happen and so so how do you so you know the, the, there has been a bit of feel free to jump in any time I'll just waffle on forever but <laughs> but, but the 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 thing to for me is that there's been a bit of kind of history being rewritten since January because things have gone well but you know, all the players that he's brought in, the players he's wanted, or that he's agreed to sign, and no one's been sold without his say so. All those things are true. But the deals weren't done at the time that he wanted them to be done. They weren't necessarily done with the players that he wanted. So, you know, again, Mankio, um uh who else? Hosselu and, you know, in January even Slomani. Slomani was nowhere near the top of his list for strikers. And so does he have control? Not in the way that he would want, and is the club run in the way that he would want? And far from it. So I think that's the I think that's the big question and how do you how do you solve that? Because okay, Rafa, yeah, yeah, fine, we'll do what you want this time. Okay, well, why should I believe that? Sorry. Yeah, I'm not, I was just going to jump in there. That's exactly it. Um, the stuff you're talking about is, it's almost impossible to get down on paper, isn't it? What you're talking about, <clears throat> I need your assurance, this is Rafa speaking, I need your assurances that you're not going to be totally incompetent when, yeah. when I ask for something, when I ask for a player, when I ask for a transfer, when I ask for talks to be had with this player. And it just seems to be down to incompetency that some of these things don't happen in, in, in a timely manner. And you can't get that in writing. Like, I, we promise you, Rafa, not to be an incompetent, terribly run club again. So, uh, how does he get that ironed out? I'm sure he's got 15 people on this contract, but well, I I Sorry, no, I think they've looked at that. I mean, I, th- I genuinely think they will have looked at that, but I don't think you can put that in a contract. Yeah. So, so is there is it? Sorry, is there is there a separate question about whether or not these contracts talks get to a point this summer about whether he'll see out his current contract for another year and then revisit it? Is that what you're trying to get to? Like. He still has a one year on his, his contract. Is it possible that we don't get a decision this summer and he s- still stays for that one more year and then we're having this conversation again in a year's time? I hope we're not having that conversation because it feels like we're having that. I mean, it feels like we're constantly having this yeah. conversation. I mean, in, in some ways, when the season on, when the season's on, it's brilliant because Rafa just constant has to concentrate on, I mean, not during January, obviously, but just has to concentrate on doing what he's absolutely brilliant at and the rest of us can sort of watch the team. But, you know, so part of it is here we go again. I mean, if I was him and I love Newcastle, so, it, you know, it's not about, you know, this will sound like a horrible thing to say, but if I was him, I would be wait. I would wait because I would say to them, no, you, sh- you show me that you want me to, you show me that we can do this properly. And if we get through this summer and we do it properly, I'll sign on the 1st of September. And that's my promise. Or, you know, I would give a guarantee of staying. What would the club say to that? Well, again, it's very difficult to know what they're thinking because it always is. But I think they would be saying, well, if you don't sign, we're going to we're going to struggle to sign players this summer and it'll be difficult more difficult for us to sign players and i think i mean when i say i think that's what they'll be saying they are saying that so there is there is a sort of there's a kind of skirmish going on there about 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 that but if i was rafa i mean i think the power is with rafa yeah. in in a lot of ways but i don't think he needs to sign whereas i think the club sort of need him too but you know, I think it's straightforward. It's it's straightforward for them to show, and it it's it's still a dysfunctional football club in the sense that 
the keeper thing last summer went back to Ashley, and that shouldn't that shouldn't have to happen. It shouldn't have to happen for a free transfer, you know. And I'm not saying every decision is like that, but the club is still run by people who feel the need to sort of second guess what Ashley thinks. And some of the time he's not around, he doesn't care, blah, blah, blah. But there is still this, I think there is still this fear of him around the place. Just uh, back to the original question about the length it's taken so far and hasn't been done. Just just Sorry. can I put something to you that... Sorry, I didn't answer that question. No, it's fine, but then... You've given us some insight. Yeah, into how, us what's, yeah, insight. Yeah. yeah, like the there is probably a feeling or fear amongst fans that Rafa is saying publicly that his people are speaking to Lee Charnley is there a danger or is there a problem that Lee Charnley has no control of the situation and does Rafa, is there any frustration from Rafa's people that they know that Lee Charnley isn't the right person to be speaking to and that's why it's taking so long? No, I don't think so. And Rafa would say and has said all through January, I speak to Lee, he's the one that I speak to day to day. I mean, I just think that some of it, you know, were you talking about the overall strategy of the football club, eventually that has to go back to Ashley. But I think... That I don't think that matters at the moment. I think once there's a position that, you know, it feels like they're close to an agreement or whatever, then they can go back to Ashley and then Ashley and Rafa can talk. We're approaching the last game of the season. I'm not saying this with any insider knowledge at all, but Ashley has come to these games in the past and they've had a chat. So I've got no idea whatsoever if he'll be there on Sunday, but that wouldn't be an unusual thing. I think... um, you know, there is a, obviously a linkage between what happens next season and the contract because the club seem to be linking those two things together. Um, whereas I don't think they sh- should be or or need to be. And as I say, it's also it's it's a difficult. Should we be con- concerned about the length of time it's taking? Well, probably, yeah. But um, it's important that it's right because. It's as I say. It's he would want more money, and I'm sure he wants the pot of money to be bigger. But it also has to be about how the club does its business. And I'm so here's another example, and I'm just throwing this out here. If say for example, Rafa had doesn't matter, 80 million quid to spend in the summer. If he decided he wanted to spend 30 million of that on a 29 year old striker, what do we think the club would do or say? Well, I'm not saying he does want that. And so, again, that's just absolutely throwing it. But this striker, say it's a striker, 29 years old, and is as close as you can get to a guarantee of 15 goals a season, I would, I say that's a bargain. But history tells us that they'll piss around for two months and try and make it look like they're trying to get £2 million off the deal or something, and then yeah. we'll, we'll get to August and go, oh, I just, just couldn't get it done. That, that's what history yeah. tells us. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's been a very... I mean, so we talking about sort of enjoying the season, and yeah, sort of now that it's nearly over, I mean, I, I think I'll enjoy it more in retrospect than I did at the time, but mm-hmm. I think it's taken a huge toll out of Rafa. I think, you know, you can see at times he's been exhausted and frustrated and, you know, put himself... You know, put all of himself into it, and I think his the, the feeling is that he hasn't had that kind of in return. And something else I was thinking about today. I mean, obviously the Liverpool Real Madrid Champions League game. There's an obvious sort of link with link with him there. But you know, this is this is the time of the seat now that Newcastle are back in the Premier League and and safe and and stuff. This is the time of year when he's used to having big games when he's either challenging at the top of the division or he's preparing for a cup final and or you know whatever and that's he still wants that you know he he said that publicly he said that publicly after Watford he wants to be challenging he he hasn't come to Newcastle um because the fans are great and it's here's a nice little thing that's close to home that's part of it he he has come here because he sees Newcastle as a club that can challenge Newcastle has to then prove itself to be a club that can challenge. And there's been a couple of uh, quotes in his press conferences recently which have been revealing and I mean you obviously go to a lot of the press conferences so you'd know his mood far better. I don't know whether you were there today but there was um, Chris Wolfe in the Chronicle tweeted before uh, that on Saturday Rafa said, this is, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically said the players knew what they had to do in the first half. They knew there was a plan. They then did the exact opposite. 
that's quite cutting for Rafa. It's yeah. it's a little bit of frustration. And he, I know he yeah. said we've had a great season and it's frustrating to lose. But then he's also said, I don't care about finishing eighth. I don't care about finishing fifteenth. Do you think that is that him intentionally trying to get the message out there to the public a little bit, or these just general to and fro between journalists? That I, th- I genuinely think he's a kind of person who whose mood ref- reflects what the team has done. So things felt brilliant three weeks ago and felt really upbeat and you know you were talking about his future and you think okay he's going to sign and then you lose a couple of games and you come away thinking oh god this is not feeling so good and I think that's I think his frustration goes up and down depending on what you know on on what the team is doing there is an overall there is an overall bigger picture um, and I think that's the thing you know, I think that is the thing that's kind of... I mean, last last Friday, for example, he was asked a direct question, do you want to stay next season? And his answer was, that is a tricky question. Right. And he then, you know, he then sort of explained. And in an ideal world, yes, of course he wants to stay, but he doesn't want to stay under any circumstance. And, you know, that's... Th- you know that that to me is the point is that he's now shown he's he's i think he talked to the weekend about sort of the achievements of what they've done okay so first challenge was to stay up couldn't do it second challenge was to get up did it did it third challenge stay up this season did it at some point newcastle have to develop and be something else and that is to be the club that he thought he was joining now can mike ashley deliver that well, let's uh, let's hope so. Um, the finances are overdue, George. Do you read anything into that before you know we we'll start getting to take over stuff here? Is that linked? Is it coincidence? Is it I don't, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, clubs do that, have done that in the past. They've delayed, they've delayed their accounts, but it's not. I mean, that financial stuff isn't my sphere of interest, influence, whatever. Fair enough. Um, so, I, I mean, let's let's talk transfer stuff now. Unless you think I've missed anything, Sai, I want to talk about. Football anymore? Did you say transfers? Transfers. I mean, take over. Take over. Yeah. Last time at the press forum, I listened back to what you said. All of it was excellent um, from from everybody. <laughs> um, but you made you made a very good point about Newcastle United or Mike Ashley in particular wanting to act one way in terms of the takeover bid. So that's demanding a certain price, a value that's fixed calling people time wasters or yeah, yeah. saying that it's frustrating to deal with to Sky Sports. And then on the flip side, in their own transfer negotiations, basically behaving exactly how they accuse others of behaving. Yeah. Are we going to see, is that going to play out this summer again? Do you think it's going to be a summer of she said this, then she didn't do this, he said this, or is it going to be, and Mike Ashley is, I want this much money for the club, give it to me and I'll fuck off, basically. Well... If that four hundred million pound figure is correct, that was leaked to Sky. I don't think Newcastle are sold this summer. That's, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's happening in other potential negotiations. I don't believe that there's anybody else close or um, kind of involved in high-level serious negotiations. I, I think, I don't think Newcastle are sold if that's the price. Do you think Newcastle are sold if it's not the price, if it's lower than that? Well, then I think there's more chance of it. Um, so, I mean, there's been there's been suggestions that he's been trying to kind of drum up interest in America, albeit without any nibbles so far. And Amanda Staveley, you know, someone asked me, I said, she's still around, someone said, well, what does that mean? Um, uh, and I'm kind of very conscious, I don't want to sort of say anything that would hamper... You know, hamper things if there's a chance of chance of the club being sold. But you know, it means that she's still interested. It means that there have been, you know, she's been talking to investors. That kind of stuff has carried on. And certainly, kind of at the start of the year, she was she was talking to people in Newcastle around the place about what might happen uh, and how she could take the club forward. Um, but and there have been, you know, talks between people close to her and people around the Ashley camp and stuff like that. There hasn't been anything direct because A, there was the big fallout. B, once January was gone, nobody would buy it at that point because they couldn't influence the they couldn't influence 
what happened this season and then there was the television deal and of course there was relegation i mean there was all those sort of things that would that would that would change things that all those things have now gone um i mean i've always said that i think she'll bid again and you know people people she has 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 kind of intimated that and people close to her have intimated that but not at 400 million quid i mean i just can't see that i can't see that because i think that would be uh that would take up too much money that that she that she'd earmarked for you know to 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 spend on players and to spend on the training ground and infrastructure and and things like that and i don't think the i don't think the value of the club i don't think the value of the club has gone up that much it's so depressing slash not depressing but depressing here's someone wanting to put money in the infrastructure which of course yeah. zero pounds has been spent apart from a lick of paint in 2016 as with everything, that's just my, you know, this is my opinion with a bit of with a bit of knowledge in it. I mean, I've kept in touch with her and I've kept in touch with people around her and we speak all, you know, speak very regularly. You know, she wants to, she's wanted to do it. I mean, but then, yeah, again, I'll say the same thing that I said at the at the Irish Centre. It's very difficult to judge her because there's, you know, there's no track record of owning a football club and there's no track record of owning a business which employs people, which has pays dividends, which has a share value, which does all that. We can do all that with Ashley and we can see what he's done at Sports Direct and we can certainly see what he's done at Newcastle and we can form a judgment. It's very difficult to form a judgment on her because there isn't any of that. So she talks a good game and um, I mean, I know that she's had meetings and I know that she's made these bids because I've seen the bids, I've seen all the bids. Um, but... Uh, you know, and optimism ebbs and flows, like it does with Rafa, and like it does with the contract, and like it does with the league position, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the last conversation I had wasn't hugely positive, but because that was based on, you know, the suggestion that that the price has gone up uh, exponentially. Oh, is that right? One? Yeah, on on the price, it, it it's crazy to think that it, when it's such a chicken and egg situation, because Newcastle United with Rafa Benitez in charge, is is worth far more than it is without. So, if you buy the club without Rafa, it's worth with half that. It's it's you know it's, it's yeah. not it, it, it's that weird thing of if Ashley does this and just refuses to budge and kind of that falls through, he's less likely to keep Rafa, and then the club loses value anyway. Or if he just kind of goes, oh, you know what, take it, and then from from her perspective or from any potential buyer's perspective, taking over a club with, with Rafa in charge is a great investment. Well, it's, and, and it's... Rafa's, Rafa's made exactly that point about transfers, hasn't yeah. he? He sort of said, okay, well, he doesn't want to spend, he doesn't want to spend, well, you know, he doesn't want to spend more money on his club, but how do you protect the investment? You protect the investment, it's that, you know, it's the classic speculate to accumulate. If you have a successful team um, that finishes five places higher up the table and is seen and 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 perceived as being attractive and you know well run and good and success you know blah 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 then more people want to watch it you get more television games you finish high at the league blah 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 you create your own wealth you generate your own wealth whereas it, it you know it it still feels like a club that's being run um sort of on the bare on the bare minimum and hoping that'll be kind of good enough but do you think that i mean I don't use the word criticism, but some of the analysis of her involvement last time in terms of turning up and being photographed at the game, some you know your your colleagues in the industry were very wary or have called a, uh, I wouldn't say a time waster, but someone who's after a bit of promotional for yeah. herself. Do you think she has changed her approach based on that, or she's not the kind of person to pay any attention to what the media are saying? Well, I've never met. I mean, you know, I've met her twice this season, but that's that's it, and. I mean, all this stuff about kind of publicity seeking. The whole thing about coming to the match was very, very unusual. And the whole thing about a name being released is very unusual. The last time Newcastle were up for sale, one of the people who's involved with her was also involved then. I mean, more more in in an advisory way. But someone who I spoke to almost every day, this is before the, 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 you know, the last, I want to say Barry Moat. I don't mean Barry Moat. Do I mean Barry Moat? Who do I mean? Chris, Chris Mort? No. No, no, he's German. Barry Moore? Yeah, it was Barry Moore. Yes, Barry Moore. Yeah, yeah. 
Who was the Gaza? What was the Gaza? Yes, don't forget that. Right, it was. Yes, yeah. So I was, I was worried. That was the mistake I was going to make. Um, and he wasn't advising him, but he was. He was involved with the third party. But I spoke to him sort of every every day, and it was always, "Don't worry, don't worry." Then the name will come out, and then the club is sold. And you look at what happened at Sunderland. What's just happened at Sunderland? That is a far more normal way that things are sold, that, cl that clubs are sold. You hear nothing, and then bang, it's done. Now, obviously, with Barry Moats, it wasn't done, but the name only came out right at the very end. He's involved with her, and which is absolute. You know, it's absolutely the opposite way round. So, um, so, but that doesn't mean that. It's not genuine, and that doesn't mean that it's not that there aren't other ways of doing it. And they've always presented her coming to the match as the final piece of the jigsaw, as persuading her that Newcastle would be a good club to invest in. Her name came out. The fact that she was going to be there came out, and then there was this kind of very public thing. But it's not public through stuff that she said. I mean, and yes, of course, there was the pictures in the in the in the paper of the meeting with Ashley and all that kind of stuff. But there has been this sort of narrative about her being massively publicity hungry without anybody quite explaining why that's of any use, why that would be of any use to her. And I think it's fair fair to say that the only time she's been quoted was in that piece that I did with her. So, but again, you know, it's some of, some of the motivations for stuff that happens in football, particularly at that level, is... You know, it's baffling to me, and I've been writing about it for twenty years, twenty-five years. I mean, but you know, so uh, we'll have to see. Have to see what happens next. In your opinion, is she or her people are they the type of people to make public a bid to say not to save face, but if they put in a three hundred million pound cash, no clauses bid. Obviously, if they put that into Mike Ashley, and only Mike Ashley knows about all his people, then we don't as fans know about it she can obviously tell the media to speak to you as she's done are they the kind of people to dip their toe in one last time or if they are told 400 million will they just be like you're wasting our time Mr Ashley well I, that's what I think I think 400 million would be too much so whether that's whether that was accurate whether that's uh, an attempt to sort of get rid of in his parlance time wasters whether that's you know whether that's a negotiating tactic I don't know. I've, as I say before, I've always thought there'd be there'd be another bid. Um, to slightly come back to what you asked before, I think it is fair to say that if there is another bid, it has to be the right bid, because I don't think anybody wants to kind of go through that drawn out thing again. And so there have been talks. You know, there's been talks going on, as you'd expect, sort of in the background about getting to a place where. What would what would be acceptable? What would you know? What might work? What might not work? Then let's let's try and do it. Let's get to face to face, and then let's try and do it. The the, the last conversation I had was that that four hundred million would be prohibitive. Um, you know, the other bids were two fifty cash. Well, I'm struggle to remember now. Two fifty cash, three hundred with clauses, three fifty with lots more clauses. You know, if if it was going to be a straight cash bid then you know I think it'd be more than 300 300 more than 300 but I don't think anywhere near that I don't think anywhere near 400 you said at the press forum that she asked you if he was genuine about selling do you think anything's changed from her uncertainty then in dealing with him just is it is, is do you think she would still have fears about him just well I, th I think it with 400 it becomes 450 well I, th I think that's a fa I think it's a fair question I mean He's he's tried to sell it three times and he hasn't sold it, so that suggests he's not very good at selling it. Yeah, or sells things for a living. Well, yeah, or it suggests he's not very good at it, or he's not um, serious about it, or there just aren't a lot of people who want to buy the club, or what. But you know, or his price is unrealistic. I mean, so all of those things are all those things are possible. Um, I guess that, my question is: is that price unrealistic because he wants it to be unrealistic? I think. This four hundred million pound figure, and again, the leak to Sky or whatever, whatever we want to call it, looks to me like a, a bloke who doesn't really want to sell the club, and that's 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 quite alarming. That that's just been thrown out there to kind of deter any potential buyers of anything. I mean, George, you was talking about Barry Moat. That was what two thousand and eight, was it? And that's ten years ago. So realistically, we've had two people in ten years yeah. 
come even remotely close that we know about anyway as fans coming to sell the club it's like my fear is that if if she doesn't acquire the club is it going to be 10 more years until someone else shows up and i mean the tv money didn't go up this year as some thought it might do um but you never know what's on the corner and then if it goes up again and the club goes up in value again even if if rafa's not here it'd be hard to think that would go up in value without him um do we as fans start you know should we is this summer george the summer for getting rid of mike ashley do you think I'd, I'd, I don't know because I felt that before and it hasn't happened and it, and the club you know the club's carried on and things have carried on. It always feels I mean, that's the, you know it's part of the problem. It always feels like a big summer, um, and in terms of the summer to get rid of Mike Ashley, well, he, I suppose he can do it on his he can do it on his terms, can't he? But no, I mean again, I mean I don't want to compare Newcastle with Sunderland at the minute, but. Ellis Short has taken a huge hit there. At the end, he's had to effectively pay to kind of get rid of the club. He's made a gesture to kind of get rid of the club, and that doesn't seem to be happening at you know Newcastle now. Obviously, Newcastle's financially self-sufficient largely and is in the Premier League and is safe and blah blah blah. But um, as no, he's not. If he wants to sell it, he's not trying very hard. It doesn't feel like he's trying very hard. and you know he obviously has his valuation on it, and that's his right. But if nobody else, if nobody is willing to meet that valuation, can I throw some quick questions at you? Yes. You don't have to answer them. So, Rafa, new contract, yes or no? <laughs> right. Okay, I'm not going to do that because I don't know. So I don't know. So, I'm I, 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 I think I think I've tried to sort of explain. I think I've tried to explain what I think the situation is, and I don't want to. I don't want to predict things which might be wrong. And um, and frankly, with things like that, my mind changes every day. I came back, so a few of us went across to Spain to see him, and and did a piece with him, and it was brilliant. It was just great watching him on the training ground, which I know you've sort of done, and you know it's it's sort of fabulous seeing seeing it. I, but I. I thought he was really tired. I thought he looked kind of exhausted, and the way he was he was talking about how much of a struggle the season had been, and do I enjoy my job? Yes, but this is really tough and all that. Anyway, I came away from that thinking mm, it's not going to last. It's you know this is you know things will have to change, but it's, I don't feel good about that. Two weeks later, Newcastle have won three more games. He's happy and bouncy, and it's like oh, of course he's going to stay. And so, you know, your mood is, as I say, the mood is sort of dictated by results. Um, When I say this feels like a big summer, we've had these huge moments of drama, it feels, ever since he's been here, and he's still here, and he's still under contract. So if, you know, if nothing else, I would hope that he... That he stays for the last year of his contract, but you know that we the Times had a podcast with him, um, which was brilliant, and I kind of uh, uh, he was asked about takeover and staying and things like that, and I sort of jumped in and said, "What I want, what I want is to enjoy him, enjoy him, enjoy having him here for as long as it lasts, really, um, because uh, he's he's very special, and um, you know for every day that he's here, the team." And I mean, I was at that that night, and he seemed really at ease. It seemed like he wanted to talk about the club, the players. You know, it just seemed like a really positive night from yeah. the audience perspective. I'm sure loads of people listen to the podcast as well. Um, do you think that? I mean, I hope he gets a holiday because he's on a holiday in two years, yeah. um, three years. Yeah. However, when you look yeah. at it, um, do you, how old is he? Fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. Yeah. Do you? Leicester and West Ham jobs are up this summer. Um, do you think that? The club, this is the, the kind of the last question we'll throw at you, the club, are they even contemplating not being here? Are they smart enough to have a backup plan? Because as much as we want them to stay, or because or, if he leaves this summer, you just presume that the club would just be relegated next season. Because not Regardless of who they got in, the, the impact amongst the fan base would just be so catastrophic. Are they trying to think two steps ahead, or is it still very much for even whoever you want to say is running the club from Shirook, is it still Rafa Benitez or bust, even for them, for Newcastle United? Well, so... Again, I don't. I would be guessing if I answered that question. I've got no insight about what they're what they're planning. I mean, 
you know they have him under contract so that that is the sort of that should be it's not a fail safe because because the contract clause could be met but you know as far as Leicester's concerned I think they were I think they'd expressed interest in him before Ranieri went in I think he was I think he was certainly under consideration then and West Ham he, there has been a long standing thing but really I mean would either of those places be be better than what he's got I mean I don't know I mean so there's always those things I don't think those things are there's always those things to consider whether Newcastle have got kind of plan B. I mean, can you imagine what it would be? Oh, I don't want. I don't want to imagine. What's pads? Pads. Pads. Glorious. Yeah, second coming. McLaren. Unfinished business. Oh, <laughs> Can't carve themselves available. Okay. So I nobody mean, wants I just, to think about that. Do they? I just dread to. Th- I dread to think. I mean. I hope they're focusing all their energies not just into, you know. They obviously recognise what they've got, because they're trying to, they're desperately trying to get him to sign a new contract. How much of a leap is it to say, okay, we know what we've got. Keeping him. How, so how do how if we if we care this much about him staying, how do we make that happen? And you hope that that, you know, that that's sort of that that they are looking at themselves as well as looking at him, you know, okay, here's some money, all right, we'll give you a bit more money, we'll put your contract up, we'll do, you know, and I, th- I, th- I think in terms of contract stuff, they still want the kind of get-out clause, all that kind of stuff to carry on, which, are, you know, totally understandable from their perspective, but if he's going to commit like that, then he has to be getting something out of it, and I don't just mean in terms of salary, I mean, he has to have the feeling that Newcastle are going to be an amb- ambitious, big, forward-thinking, energetic football club, and they haven't. So that involves them changing. Can they change under this ownership? I don't see anything that shows that they can, but maybe they'll surprise us in the next few weeks. Just want to say anything else? Oh, I don't want to end on that. Before we <laughs> I, I wanted to quickly ask about... Um, cause we, 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 when we spoke to Rafa, I can't remember what, it was December... And it was just, just, just December of the championship season. It was just ahead of, um, obviously, a January transfer window where he was already planning the things he wanted to do. And we know that he'll be spending any speed, spare time he has where he's not preparing for the next game. And all right, we've got two games this week. But he'll have transfer plans in place. He'll be he'll yeah. have things set in motion. And regardless of what happens in the summer with his contract, it's, it's just interesting to kind of think, what, what, what will the club listen to him regardless of, of the contracts and start doing that stuff now? Even if the contracts have bumbles on, will they... Will they start moving, or will they be waiting to do that first and then? Well, again, I hope, I hope not. But they don't do business, you know. They don't do business as a normal way. As you took, you know, we talked about January earlier, and they were looking at a contract then, and it's like, okay, well, why can't you wait until February the first to to have to have these conversations to start talking about contracts? It just doesn't. Football clubs, businesses can do more than one thing at a time. Yeah. But middle of January, they hadn't signed anybody, and it's like, well, come on. You know, this is the time to do that, and then so can we just put that to one side, and then we'll have that. You know, so it's not a they don't do business in a normal way, and they're not normal people. I don't mean that to sound <laughs> offensive. I, I mean the way Mike Ashley runs his business is not is not normal for the world of business, and it certainly isn't normal for the world of football. So, but there's a reason why everybody does things in a different way. And so, although being different, you know, being being unusual and different can be a good thing. Um, you know, they they have to sort of they have to recognise what they've got and then make the make the leap to understand that it means it means them committing to something. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I'm saying if if Rafa says saying in the, the the weeks that we've just passing, right, Kennedy, it'll cost us about twenty million. If you table that off an hour, we might get him. If they went and made that kind of move and said, right, yeah, we'll try and get Kennedy on a permanent before the end of the season, get that done and dusted, is that the sort of thing that would kind of make the change Rafa's kind of... Possibly. I mean, Rafa's been asked about that. I don't know if he wants Kennedy, but... I'm sure he does. I'm sure he would. He's been asked about it directly. I mean, he's also made the point saying, if you've just spent the season on loan, um, you're his agent or you're the club, he's had a very good season. I mean, if you're Chelsea, you might want to... You might want to kind of get involved in a bit of an auction. You might want to wait if you're his agent. Oh, 
he's had a good season at Newcastle, so you might then wait and see see what there is available. So there's other kind of you know there's other things kind of going on. Although with the ones that didn't happen last summer, he felt he'd got those to a position where if the club acted, it, they would have happened. Um, and then they prevaricated and waited, and then obviously other other offers came in. I mean, yeah, there has to be. They should be looking at that stuff now. They should be looking at that stuff now. Every every day that goes by is a waste. I'll finish on a hypothetical positive. If if I was Keith Bishop, which obviously I'm not, but I was in PR, the best possible PR move the club could make, announce his contract Thursday, Friday, and just imagine how bouncing St James's Park would be on Saturday with everyone wanting to give the players a good send off, with everyone the opportunity to thank the manager and be positive towards next season. Season ticket sales would be much quicker. I just really, and my dreams tonight, that would be the scenario because let's not get close to the World Cup. Let's not get, the longer it drags on, the more nervous the fan base is going to be, the more, I don't know, Well, the, the social media becomes. The key, the key thing is, the key thing is what happens next season. So, I mean, I don't think, I, to, kind of repeating myself, and I don't mean to do that, but I do, sort of want to emphasise that his contract shouldn't be the most important thing right now. And I don't think it is to him. And, you know, the important thing is, what are the club going to do this summer? How much money will there be to spend? Um, will they act quickly? Will they act at the right time? Will they listen to him? And finding that formula. Now, if that formula's right, then why wouldn't he sign a new contract because it's a brilliant club he loves it he's had a great season he's got players who are going to get better he's got fans around him who adore him he adores them everything's good everything's positive but he has to have you know he doesn't want to be doing this same thing in January this summer in January and then scrapping to stay up he wants to you know big thing for him go to Chelsea go to Liverpool and have a team that can have a go. And, you know, one of the reasons why this season has been so tough is because he's gone to places like Man City and he's home to Man City and he's playing for goal difference. And he did that brilliantly. And if push had come to shove, that would have been worth a point, which might have been the difference between Newcastle staying up or not. But that's that's not what he's in football for. And you know, so you don't want people you don't want the people at the top of the club to look at Finishing 10th, if that's what happens, and that being a triumph, you want them to look at 10th and finish, you know, look at 10th and be thinking to themselves, fucking hell, if we get this, give this fella what he needs and what he wants, imagine what we could be. And so that's, you know, that's the thing I think. I don't think, I'm not going to get worried about the contract because he's got another year left. So, and he stayed, although I've got very nervous and I've written about those tensions and I've written about those nerves, he stayed. That contract also hasn't been tested by other clubs coming in, prepared to pay the money, and I suppose that is a concern, but he's stayed. For all the nerves, he stayed. The thing that the club have to get right is budget, ambition, who and what this Newcastle is. Nice one, George Carlton, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Cheers.